0: Happy New Year from wherever you are tuned in from. It's hard to believe we are in 2023, but hey, here we are. This month, we have sermons for you that will give you a guiding hope for the year. My name is Philip Moura, and here is today's message. Last week, we were studying about a character, a man called uh, Demas in the the book of 2 Timothy. And today, we want to look at another character that is well-known to us, very familiar to us, called Joshua. And so, if you may please stand with me to the book of Joshua. And I have a mnemonic on how you can find that. You know, the Bible starts with the book of Genesis. So, the way to remember it is, God's everlasting love never dies. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then after that, you can have an image of a courtroom, where you get into courtroom and you say, Joshua judges Ruth, you know, and and fasts. You know, uh, first Samuel and second Samuel are witnesses. Something like that. You get, uh, you remember it. That's how we were able to learn the periodic table in chemistry. Hey, hey, listen to BBC Radio on Friday night. Nine men arrested. (laughs) That's just in case you think that I'm not, yeah, we we are not learned. Uh, Just in case you have that doubt. Anyway, the book of Joshua, I want you to go to the last chapter. The, the last chapter, which is chapter 24, that's where we are going to camp there. So please get your Bibles there. The book of Joshua, that is the sixth book from chapter 24. We are going to camp there and see what the Lord has in store for us today. And while in the sea, to prevent the ship from sinking or capsizing, it is very, very important for the, ones, the captain of the ship to make sure that any water that comes into the ship is removed out, You get because it might bring some imbalance to the ship or might make the ship to capsize. And so the, the, the ship, the one thing that really destroys it is water that leaks in the ship, but i do not i do not know if you know but this one i got to discover it i uh, mean last year that for a ship to be steady for a ship to be upright in the sea with all the hundreds of tons that it carries there is some water that it must carry with it long time ago they used to add sand in the ship and this sand or water will total to about 30% of the total weight of the ship. So before the ship leaves the harbor, it will carry a lot of weight with it. And this is water or sand. Not Not the things or transporting the things that it needs to transport, but this is just water or sand. And this is to make sure that the ship, the center of gravity of the ship, is stable and the ship remains upright. So as it engages in this long voyage, it needs to carry with it some weight. And it has a name. This, the weight, this weight, either sand or water, it's called ballast. And ballast is there again to maintain the center of gravity and also to maintain the stability of the ship. As we embark on a new year, there is some helpful ballast that we need to carry with us so that our spiritual life is steady and upright throughout the year, and that we may be able to accomplish the purposes for which the Lord has in store for us throughout the year. And last week, we looked at the story of Demas. We learned that from Demas, that we need to be careful so that we are not pulled by, you know, the the world is not pulling us away from the faith. And so today, Joshua gives us some materials or some ballast to help us remain focused, to help us remain steady in the faith throughout the year. The book of Joshua, uh, perhaps in a nutshell, records the event that happened you know, to the Israelites during, the, during the, a span of about 30, 25 to 35 years. 30 years. That's what many Bible commentators agree. And this was a time that Joshua was the leader of the people of Israel. But the book of Joshua, that chapter 1, that many of us perhaps might know a few verses there because it describes or it says that Joshua was told by God he himself that he needs to be strong and courageous. You get that he needs to be strong. He was strengthened by the Lord. And we love those words there. But the reason why the Lord was encouraging this servant of his is because his other servant, Moses, who had led the children of Israel for so long, had died. Actually, the opening words in the book of Joshua is that Moses, my servant, has died. And so these children of Israel, having been in the wilderness for so long, they didn't know any other leader. This is the person that they had seen God doing his miracles. This is a person who had led them. This is a person who had interceded for them and prayed for them and showed them the spiritual direction. And now he's no longer there. So it's a very uncertain time for, uh, for Joshua but equally, it's a hopeless season for the people of Israel. So that's why the leader has to be strengthened by the Lord, because he has to lead these people so that they can remain hopeful in a season that they might be hopeless. And it is the same for us, even today, that some of us are beginning this year in a way that is quite uncertain to them. There's a sense of uncertainty, there's a sense of hopelessness that, you know, with the Lord fulfilled his promise. One perhaps is because we might be coming from a time last year that maybe uh, you lost a loved one, someone who was very, very close to you. And so this year you are starting the year with someone that you have loved and cared for not being in the picture. Perhaps it could be that the Lord didn't, you know, the things that I was praying for, the Lord, you know, was, you know... Uh, Reluctant to meet them or even delayed to meet these prayers and the hopes that I had. Maybe you are unwell and you do not know how the year will look like. Or maybe even you are dealing with someone who is unwell. So it could be a season of hopelessness and insanity again to us, to some of us, the same way it was to the children of Israel. But even during those times of great darkness, we need to be reminded, and that's why this book of Joshua is there, we need to be reminded that God is actually very, very present with us even during those moments of darkness. I do not know if you know a verse in the book of Psalm 139 that says that to God, darkness is as light. And even when you go to the first verses of the book of Genesis, that the Spirit of the Lord was still hovering while there was still darkness in uh, in this world. In this galaxy, it was darkness, but still God was still present. You need to remember that God is aware or God knows everything about darkness because he has always existed even before it existed. So even in your most uh, difficult moments of life, if you might experience pains or moments that are not so joyous, may you remember that God is still with you even in those moments of sheer hopelessness and when you wonder if really God cares for you. God is never afraid of darkness, even our own darkness, even our own spiritual darkness. God is not afraid of that. God knows everything, as you are reminded when we were doing the series on the attributes of God. So if you are perhaps discouraged or grieving, I pray that you will still learn from what we are going to study today. You are still going to rely on God. And some of the answers that we look forward to, Sometimes they are actually found in those moments of darkness. So let us be faithful. You get to God. Let us cultivate, you know, that sheer reliance on God, you know, when things are not looking good. But also even when God blesses us, may we also run to him, for he is a faithful God. So, as we start start with verse 1 there, in Joshua chapter 24, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. So Joshua had led these people for about 30 years, that's what we have said, and he caused them to this place called Shechem. And Shechem was a very, very significant place. One, because this is where God made that grand promise, that even some of us through faith, we are still recipient of that promise, where God said that he's going to bless um, uh, Abraham, that indeed he's going to make him into a big nation, and that his descendants will be, you know, they'll be so many, they'll be like the sand of the seashore, And this is the place that God made this promise it is the very same uh, place that Joshua assembles these people of God. And this is, this is a place because 500 years before, God had made up this promise to Abraham that I'm going to give you this land. And now 500 years later, they stand there. And perhaps it's to remind them that God is always faithful. God is always true. God keeps his promises. The promises that he made ages before, that they are still true. They are valid and so God is a promise keeper and God can be trusted. They stand here first, Joshua having allotted and given them their land. God had said, even in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, that I am going to give you a land that I promised to your forefathers. A land that is full with many things, that is so big. There are cities that you did not build. There are vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. There are wells that you did not dig. I'm going to give you that land. And now they are standing there you know, each with their own title deeds. And they can witness that actually God has given them the land that he promised to their forefathers. So Shechem, in a way, is a place that they are reminded that God is faithful and that God can be trusted. Yes, they have been through hardships as they moved to the promised land. They have experienced God's judgment and God's punishment. But friends, God is faithful even in the hardest of circumstances. That if we are going to move forward as a church, if we are going to grow together as a church, we need always to remind ourselves that our God is always faithful, and our God is always true to his promises, and there is nothing that can thwart his promises to you, to his church, and even to his people. And perhaps I'm saying this just in case you have forgotten that God is faithful. May you remember that, and may you continue loving this God with that love and faithfulness because he is a good God. And you can never do this if you don't look back. Joshua takes them from verse two. You know he takes them, uh, verse two to verse four. There he he reminds them of where they have come from. And looking back, brothers and sisters, you know always help us to see the faithfulness of God, and even at times to inoculate us from grumbling and griping and seeing like God is unfair or that God cannot be trusted. I pray that even as you write down your year and your goals, that you'll be able to look back and see the faithfulness, the faithfulness of God. So Joshua starts by reminding them that God's faithfulness is seen by how he chose them. And this one we see in verse 2 to verse 4. Joshua said to all the people, if you may read with me, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahu, lived beyond the river, and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land Sorry, it's lost. Uh, but I took your father, verse 3, but I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river, and led him throughout Canaan, and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac and to Isaac I gave Jacob and to Esau I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. God reminds them that he selected them. He selected Abraham. Abraham had nothing good. He didn't have even a good track record. They were worshipping other gods but Abraham was chosen by God to, so that he may go and worship him and he obeyed that command through faith. So even for us today when we look back and we are seeing God's faithfulness, may we remember that actually God has chosen us. God has selected you. You're not here just spontaneously. You're here because God, has, God knows you and has chosen you. And even to you who is a Christian, that God even has given you that ultimate gift of salvation. It didn't come out of your own merit. It come from the grace and from the favor of God. So Joshua reminds them that, God, that God's faithfulness is seen by how he has chosen them. Secondly, in celebrating God's faithfulness, Joshua remains, reminds them that again that God's faithfulness is seen in his power. That he reminds them that his power has, was manifested and seen in the victories that he gave them time and time again. And this one we see from verse 5 to verse 8. It says this, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. And I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought brought to the sea. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians then you lived in the desert for a long time i brought you to the land of the amorites who lived east of the jordan they fought against you but i gave them into your hands i destroyed them before you and i took possessions of and took possessions of their land so god is reminding them that i saved you by there by my power it wasn't by you you were so so weak and helpless but i came through and i saved you Friends, may we be reminded when you look back into how God has been faithful to you, may you be reminded of the power of God, that not only God chooses us, but God leads us with his power and has given you victories, not because of your own power, but because of his everlasting power. Finally, he tells them that his faithfulness is seen in his presence. Read with me verse 9 to 13, where it says this, When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. And here I want to see that God's faithfulness was seen and has been seen through his presence, that he was with them constantly. And even he shielded them from battles that they never experienced. When you read the story of Balak and Balaam, it is not actually uh, narrated from the perspective of the Israelites. It is narrated from the perspective of the enemies of Israel. And you can find that in the book of Numbers. And what God is telling them, that these people were conspiring to curse you. You know, but I shielded you. You know, really, someone when someone wants to curse you, you know they don't tell you. Get they, they, really? when someone come and tell you? I want to curse you. So sit down and I do one, two, three. No, they do that in secrecy, and God is telling these guys that even in the secrecy of the enemies, I protected you and I shielded you. That the one who was coming to curse you, I was able to influence his mouth and he pronounced blessings from me. So his faithfulness is seen in that. He reminds them that I have been present with you. Never try to ever think or imagine that my presence or my presence has not been with you or I have been absent with you. When you read again in verse 11, it says, Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gigashites, Hevites, and Jebusites, and other parasites—oh, sorry, that one is not there—but <laughs> I gave them into your hand. I gave them to your hands. I sent the hornet or a wasp ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also, the two Amorite kings—you did not do it with your own uh, with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from their vineyards and olive groves that you did not even plant. God's faithfulness must be seen in the context of his power and his ability to save. Many a times when we are helpless, the children of of Israel, they were facing a great enemy. But God was able to shield them. And God was able to pronounce a victory before them. And wherever they went, they became victorious. Because of the power of God. When you read those verses that you have just read, one of the things that will strike you is the pronoun I. I is repeated there 18 times, meaning that God takes the initiative to save and also even to bless. That anything good that has come to you in the past, anything good that will come to you in the future, has come from God, not from us. God blesses you despite you. Despite your weaknesses, God blesses you and covers you with his strength. So friends, if God were to speak to you today, if God were to come to you today, what are the I statements that God will make to you? What is the I statement? When you look back into your life, what do you think God will say? Perhaps it's a moment to evaluate yourself and so that you may be able to see the things that God has done. Granted, there might be some who might say that God has been unfair to me. That there are things that God has permitted to come along my way. And I want to say that God is unfair. But also as believers, as Christians, let us also see the unfairness of God, not just in the things that are painful that comes along our way, but also let us see the unfairness of God in the things that he blesses us with. That when you look at your life, you can be able to say, God is so unfair, I never deserved these blessings I do not qualify for these blessings. I do not qualify for anything in my hand, but God has seen it fit to generously gift them to me. And out of that, you see that God is unfair, yes, in the things that he has blessed you with, that you never deserved them, but yet God has blessed you with all of them. So Joshua reminds them that remember the faithfulness of God in the past. Remember that faithfulness. And that is the balance that they need to carry as they are going to another phase of their life, as this country goes to another phase without Joshua because thereafter Joshua dies, and they have to go to another phase, they have to start another life, Joshua is telling, telling them, one of the ballast that you need to carry is to remember the faithfulness of God, to write it down, and to recount the things that the Lord has done in your life. Secondly, the second ballast that we need to remember is now out of remembering that God is faithful, that God is the one who ordered their steps. Joshua asked the Israelites to make a decisive commitment. He tells them, resolve now to serve the Lord. It us there in, the, in verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In a nutshell, what Joshua is reminding them, that should there be any doubt, let me clarify. Choose today whom you are going to serve. He tells them, Will you serve the God who has done wonders before you? Or are you going to serve the gods that Abraham, you know, was worshipping before? The gods who would not pronounce anything. The gods who would not tell them about their future. The gods who had a mouth, but they were were dumb. The gods who had ears, but they were deaf. The gods who remained still there, not speaking. And yet they worshipped them. Is that the gods that you want to listen to? Is that the gods that you want to pursue? Then he tells them, again, about something else. Is it the gods of Pharaoh, who when Pharaoh called this god so that the people may be prevented from going, so that the plagues could be stopped, these gods were helpless? Is this the same gods that you want to pursue and love? And then in a joking way, he tells them, or is it the gods of the Amorites? And they stand in the land that they had defeated Amorites. Is it the gods that you have defeated that you want to pursue? is is it those gods that you want to worship, the gods that I have defeated? So, Joshua calls them to make a conscious commitment of pursuing and loving and serving the Lord. And he reminds them that this is a deliberate whether choice, not the alternative. He tells them that it goes beyond. And even now in our church, for example, you brothers and sisters, Serving the Lord goes beyond volunteering. Serving the Lord is more demanding. It will cost you. It is making sure that your first commitment is doing that which God wants to be done. Not your real group leader. Not the pastor who leads the ministry. Not the church. What is the church? It is what God wants for you and your allegiance is towards God and towards the Lord and not to any man. To serve God is a deliberate choice made out of love for God. And we must do that with a willing mind and with a willing heart. Serving God is a spring that streams from a genuine love for God. Actually, the word that is used here and in our reading, you see that the word serve, it occurs about 13 times in that just small portion of scripture there. And the real meaning of the word serve here is to make oneself a servant, or another meaning could be to be led or to be enticed to serve willingly and wholeheartedly. It is the same word that it's used for Jacob. You know Jacob, the patriarch of, the, of, the, of, the, you know, of this nation? She was in love with a girl called Rachel, and he loved her dearly and deeply. And Jacob was told the bride price is working and serving for seven years. And Jacob you know, volunteered himself and said, to show my love to Rachel, I will work hard for those seven years as a bride price. And the Bible records that to Jacob, those seven years looked like just a few years. That's what the Bible says. Because he was doing it out of love. And so our service towards God should be based on that love, that commitment, of saying, I am not, not, not a slave, but I am a willing servant in the vineyard of our Lord. So the other thing that Joshua says there, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And in a generation that is covered with a sea of confusion, let me challenge you, especially the heads of the homes and fathers, husbands here, to emulate what Joshua says. He says, I am going to take charge of the spiritual leadership at home. And let us do that. Because the best legacy that we can leave to our children, these ones who are playing around, these ones that you are holding today, the best spiritual legacy, or the legacy that you can leave to them, is that spiritual commitment. And prioritizing matters that concerns your spiritual life. Not the monies, well and good, if that happens not businesses, not apartments. It is that spiritual legacy that will keep them and that will sustain them. Israel was greatly influenced by one single man whose devotion towards God would not be doubted. And this one I find in verse 31 where it says, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. That because Joshua had said, it's going to start with me. I am going to be committed that Israel, the whole nation, so what the commitment that Joshua had, and they served the Lord. I command you today to evaluate in the light of the day, the if you would serve other gods or if you would serve the living God. Remember that God's faithfulness, and then resolve to serve Him by making a decisive decision to serve Him in this year, in the different places that the Lord may guide you, and the places that the Lord will guide or will lead you to serve Him. Lastly. that that balance that we need to to carry with us in this voyage, we said number one is to remember his faithfulness, to resolve to serve him. But number three is to respond to what he requires. And this one I find in verse 16. After Joshua had said this, then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our, our fathers out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our very eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and, made, and among the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We too, we will serve the Lord because he is our God. This challenge, this is what it yields. But if you are there, as these children of Israel pro- uh, proclaim this, if you are in this assembly, you will be astonished by Joshua's comments on verse 21, where Joshua says, then Joshua said, you are, uh, sorry, but the people said to Joshua, no, sorry, verse 19, sorry, sorry for that. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. So they have already said that they are going to serve the Lord, but Joshua says, no, I don't think you're going to serve the Lord. This is because I think Joshua knows that they have something that they have hidden in their hearts. There are some things that they have still clutched onto. And Joshua is asking them, throw those things away. Joshua here is going deeper. He's asking them to throw away the things that they have kept secret, the things that are not pleasing to the Lord. That's why he's saying, you know, throw away those foreign gods. You know, they were like perhaps Lot's wife. That Lot's wife had been delivered and saved from the imminent danger and you know the, the, the punishment that was coming to, to to the people of Sodom. But you know, Lot's wife outwardly she showed that she was willing to follow God's command. But her heart was somewhere else. Her heart was clutched onto Sodom and she turned her face. Her heart was not moved, her heart was still in Sodom as much as her body was away. So what Joshua is calling these guys, he's calling them to a place of saying, you know, follow the Lord with your heart and also with your body. Do not give or or offer God lip service. Friends, this is because God hates double dealer. I don't know if you have ever experienced, maybe when we were young, a little bit younger, you know, we used to experience this double dealing. We used to have this word. Nowadays I think it's a little bit different. But this is where you find perhaps you are in a cultivating a friendship with the opposite gender, and then you realize that you are not just the two of you. Uh, you know, there, there, is, there, is a, there are other people around you. That when you realize that the heart of this person who is telling me that, you know, that they love me, actually their heart is not there. Their heart is somewhere else. And so, even more so, God hates uh, you know, spiritual double dealers. That you say that I belong here, but you do not belong. Th- Your heart is not there. You are not devoted So as we give thanks, let us also ask for forgiveness in areas that perhaps we have not been so diligent, we have not fully devoted to God. And pray that God is going to give us the strength and that we have faith to change those moments, those uh, those behaviors that make us look not faithful before the very eyes of God. Whether it's our devotion and our walk with God, or even our commitment in our marriages, in our relationships, or commitment even to the church, you know it better. God hates a two-faced life. Double dealing is something that God doesn't love. And so Joshua tells them, you know, deal with the things that are under the carpet. Deal with them, remove them, and be faithful and true. So friends, if God were to come today to your bedroom, if God were to come to your private life, would he be proud of that? If God were to ask the passwords that sometimes you don't give to your husband or to your wife, of your phone, and your wife has, you know, has the, the, the passwords, you know, the, the one that you have, you know, the patterns are like the Milky Ways. You know, no one can really be able to follow them. You hide them. Would God be pleased with what you find there? Would God be able to say that this person follows me with their heart and with their body? Or would God be angry that in, in any case that you are a double dealer? If God were to come to your accounts, bank accounts, if God were to come to your business accounts, if God were to ask all your passwords, what will he find? If you do not want him to come, like you do not allow your spouse to see your phone, then change your ways. Friends, if we are to accomplish the service which God expects us to accomplish, then we must be willing to surrender our lives and, you know, completely to him and wholeheartedly, Willingly. So Joshua doesn't want them to just make a commitment with their beliefs, but whatever they have said must be followed by rejecting that which God hates. If they say that they love God and they are committed to God, then they must hate that which God hates. Then Joshua takes them to, uh, in in verse 22, then Joshua said, this is after now they have said, that no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said in verse 22, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God, and obey him. I pray that out of this discussion today, that that is what you are going to go home with that we will serve the Lord, our God, and obey him. This is because responding to God's requirements requires accountability. Joshua in that verse, verse 22, tells them that you are witnesses to each other. And if you are going to mature in any way in in our spiritual life, we must be accountable to each other. Christianity is not a journey for lone rangers. Even the guy called the lone ranger had a gun and a horse. He wasn't alone. So you need to come together so that we may thrive together spiritually. We need you to belong into a community, whether it's your real group, whether it's a place that you volunteer. Get to know the people. Get to know your pastors. That's why we always remain here. Let us get to know you. We are also on the journey towards heaven. So do not fear the pastors who are here. Yes, God has called them to a higher duty, but they are also trying and striving to reach heaven so that we may be able to grow together and we may keep each other accountable. If we walk this journey alone, then as Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us, that then the devil is out there like a lion, and he's roaming, and he's looking for someone, not people, not a group, he's looking for someone, you one, to devour. So if you walk alone, if you don't remain in a place of accountability, and here I'm not saying that we aim for perfection, this is where we walk through this journey of faith together, encouraging each other, then you, you are sheep we start leaking from the inside and you might find yourself shipwrecked so the community is there as we see from this story to encourage and to strengthen these people and to tell them you you are deviating to the right or to the left remain on course and remain focused I pray friends that this is what we are going to do that we be committed to do this that we remember that God has been faithful that as we embark on the year that we will resolve to serve him only and also that we respond to his requirement that serve him only. Remove any gods that might be lacking around you. Because that's not what God requires. And I pray that indeed, God is going to bless us. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord strengthen you, even as you desire to serve him wholly. May he bless you as it is your diligence and your obedience and the faith that you have in him and even the moments that you might feel that your faith is growing weak may you find brothers and sisters who will encourage you and strengthen you spiritually so that you may remain faithful even unto the end may you carry this ballast in your heart and your soul throughout the year and i believe that god is going to bless you may the lord bless you and keep you and may you have a lovely and weak and a blessed year amen amen